0: The reality is in business, you need to know how to find the people that can do it, and you need to, as Parkinson's Law says, work expands to fill the space that we give it, you need to give them the least amount of time and the least budget possible to get to the best possible quick result, because momentum creates momentum.
1: Welcome to another episode of Success Through Failure. This is your host, Jim Harshaw, Jr., and today I bring you Cameron Harold. He is the mastermind behind hundreds of companies' exponential growth, including one of his current clients is a big four wireless carrier. And also another one is a monarchy. I don't know who it is or which country, but it's a monarchy. He was an entrepreneur from day one. I mean, age twenty one, he had fourteen employees by age thirty five. He helped build his first two one hundred million dollar companies. By age 42, he had engineered 1-800-GOT-JUNK's spectacular growth from $2 million to $106 million in just six years. He's been included in media placements, thousands of media placements, including coverage in Oprah Magazine. Not only does he know how to grow businesses, but he's an amazing speaker. He's one of the best speakers in the world, written a bunch of great books, including the one we're going to be talking about today, vivid vision now this is a book that i learned about just a few months ago and my goodness i've read it three times and i've written in the margins underlined highlighted written notes all through this thing and i've bought it for several friends and clients this is a fantastic book now here's the deal It's primarily focused on building your vision for your business, but it's about building your vision for your life, and as a matter of fact, in this interview, he actually talks about, hey, listen, can we just talk about how this is for people who aren't business owners, who aren't entrepreneurs, who can just use this concept for building their life. This is 1000% relevant for anybody who's listening and just wants to create a vision for their life. After reading the book three times, I know this stuff inside and out but he actually shared four common mistakes that people often make when writing their vivid vision. So make sure you capture that. You can go to the action plan, get all the notes and quotes and everything here at jimharshtrayjr.com slash action. If you wanna learn how you can implement this stuff into your life, go to jimharshtrayjr.com slash apply. You can apply for a one-time coaching call with me. I look forward to talking to you, but let's get into it. My interview with Cameron Harold. What is a vivid vision?
0: Well, we all know what a vision statement is. Let's start with that first. Most companies have a vision statement or a mission statement, right? We pulled a bunch of our key employees together. We told them to put their favorite words up on a whiteboard. We voted on the words. We ended up with six great words, and we mashed them up into one sentence. And that became our vision statement or our mission statement, right? Go team. And it didn't do anything. It, It didn't align people. It didn't explain what the company looked like. It didn't explain what our life looked like. So I was invited to a lunch years ago with an Olympic coach who worked with high-performance athletes and was a sports psychologist, and he used visualization to help them picture themselves performing in the event, whether you were kind of doing some wrestling move or you were playing a tennis match or skiing a, a downhill race, whatever it was, he worked with these athletes to use visualization. And he taught us how to use visualization, and we thought about how to bring it into the business world. The vivid vision concept became a four or five page written description of what your company looks like, acts like, and feels like three years in the future. So it's describing every aspect of your company as if it's already come true. That becomes what the Vivid Vision document is. And you can also do one for your personal life as well, where you describe exactly who you are as a human three years from now, what your relationships are like, and then you can reverse engineer that.
1: So why is this important? Why not just write goals? Isn't that enough? The Cheshire Cat from Alice in Wonderland said it best,
0: that if you don't know where you're going, any road will take you there. And to just have goals, that's great, but the goals might pull you in the wrong direction, right? It's really more describing a little bit more holistically. So I'll give you an example with our company. You can have a list of goals that might drive revenue or profit or customer engagement, but what's your culture look like? What are your employees writing about you in three years? What are your customers saying about you on social media? What's the media writing about you when they write articles about you in the future? What are your meeting rhythms like in your leadership team? And how do you use metrics and dashboards? How is sales operating? Describe your marketing department, describe operations and IT. There's too much there that a list of goals won't actually include. And there's a really famous book called Traction by Gino Wickman, who's a friend of mine. He put out what he called the Vision Traction Organizer. His book came out two years after my first book, Double Double. And he took the idea of you know putting some goals and called that vision but it's kind of the missing step in between vision you need to have the vivid vision first and then you have the core goals to make that come true and then you can put the rocks and the plans in place and the team in place to actually hit the
1: goals right to work the plan how big do we dream like do we take the guardrails off or are we kind of trying to just figure out what the next level is tell us? like how far are we allowed to dream here
0: so the leaning out three years the reason the vivid vision is only three years out is it provides enough friction to make it something that's exciting and a drive towards but it keeps it reasonable enough that we can actually figure out how to make it come true it's not leaning out 10 years or 20 years which then is massive dreams right like colonizing mars that's a 20-year or a 30-year mission that's more like a b-hag right a big hairy audacious goal a vivid vision is more a little bit closer to today but it's not only one year out so you're allowed to dream big but your vivid vision has to fit within your core purpose right why do we exist either as a business person or as a human it has to to fit within your core values and then it has to also fit within your competencies of your skills and and the cash that you have or can get access to to be able to scale so your vivid vision kind of has a couple of these little checks that you put in place for yourself as you start figuring out how to make it come true it shows whether you're dreaming a little bit too big and you you bring it back into a little bit closer to reality.
1: So you could have that BHAG and, and this is sort of the three-year vision of what that BHAG might be like.
0: Yeah. Like I actually think of every business like a jigsaw puzzle. So the vivid vision is the picture on the front of the box, right? If I handed you a 5,000 piece jigsaw puzzle and it was just red, every piece was red, it would be hard to build it. Right. They actually have jigsaw puzzles like that, which blow my mind. Because there's no picture. There's no vision of what we're building. So the vivid vision is the picture of the front of the box. The four corners of the jigsaw puzzle are your core purpose, your core values, your BHAG, and your one-year plan to make the vision come true. And then the four sides of the jigsaw puzzle are the people systems, strategic thinking systems, meeting rhythms, and your financial systems. So that's how I visualize business.
1: They're all connected. As you're creating this vivid vision, as you're you know, brainstorming and bullet pointing and putting this thing together? Do you have to know at that moment how you're going to get from here to there?
0: So have you ever built a home or done a renovation? And when you were getting the home built, I imagine you didn't get out there and do the electrical and do the plumbing and hang the windows and do the flooring and cabinets, but you probably had a vision for what your home was going to look like. So the homeowner is the CEO of that project. They can visualize what the home is going to look like. We can explain it to the contractor. Who can draw the plans and the blueprints to make it come true and then the employees can follow the plans and the employees know how to follow the plans to make the vision come true but the homeowner has no idea how to do it right i just know what i want it to look like well in your business as i have two two really good friends of mine dan sullivan ben hardy wrote a book called who not how and it's all about realizing that as entrepreneurs we don't have to know how to do it we have to know who can do it for us in the cheapest and fastest way possible. The school system kind of messed us up as humans. The school system that we grew up in really messed us up because it told us we needed to be the smartest person and we needed to know how to do everything. The reality is in business, you need to know how to find the people that can do it. And you need to, as Parkinson's law says, work expands to fill the space that we give it. You need to give them the least amount of time and the least budget possible to get to the best possible quick result because momentum creates momentum. So in the business world, no, you don't have to know how to make every part of your vivid vision come true. You just have to use that vivid vision to align and inspire people so they can find the who's and they can figure out how to make it come true for you. Each sentence becomes a finished state that you can have one or two projects to make each sentence come true.
1: Talk to us about how you actually go about creating the vision. Is it just something you sit down and you bust it out in about an hour? Is this something that you should do, you know, in your office or do you get out of your office? And it talks to us about how one goes about setting this up so that I can go write my vivid vision.
0: You can't sit in your office or at a place that you normally do your day-to-day work and come up with vision. Even when we were building 1-800-GOT-JUNK, one of our meeting rooms was called Vision Control. And we were not allowed to do anything in that meeting room except creative vision, brainstorming, strategic thinking. We weren't allowed to do business planning or run interviews or anything else. That room was specifically set for vision and creativity. What I like to do though, is get people out of the office, right? If you're going to write your personal vivid vision, or you're going to write your business vivid vision, or you're going to write one for your business area, get out of your office, no laptop, no iPad, no iPhone, take a notebook and a pen and go somewhere where you're inspired around nature. Go to the ocean, go to a lake, go sit near the golf course or out in the park. Go to a five star hotel in some big city and sit in the, the lobby by the fireplace and just allow your mind to drift, right? I like doing a mind map where I start visualizing different parts of the business. So I'll spend four hours just thinking what's my customer service department look like in the future? How is my marketing set up? How are my sales people working? How is my leadership team functioning? What's my company culture like? How's the energy of the team feeling? What are my employees writing about me online? And I just allow my mind to drift and not worry about how it's going to come true. The mind map and the brainstorming happens somewhere else. And then you can come back into your office and start pulling those rough notes together into a very, very rough draft that you'll eventually send to a copywriter who can polish it for you.
1: So this is a multi-step iteration. It's not just a one-time sit down, write it out, and you're done. It's as you're going to write it, you're going to do this, what you just talked about, visioning, and then you're going to. That'll be your draft. You might come back and edit it a couple of times and then you're actually going to have a copywriter finalize it.
0: Yeah, I've got a, a really good copywriter. She and her team, Conscious Copy, have probably done 450 Vivid Visions for companies all over the world where they will, they'll take your rough draft or your rough notes and your bullet points and they'll ask you a lot of questions about them to pull more information out of your mind. And they'll find gaps when they're reading it, not quite understanding parts of your business and they'll ask you questions to pull out more information. They'll take all of that content and they'll rewrite it in a way that it becomes almost like a magnet, right? It pulls people towards your business and it pushes a bunch of people away. And that magnetic force is what starts to attract employees and customers and suppliers to want to work for you. And then they'll they'll even polish it and add the design elements to it so it looks and feels like your brand, you know, versus just being a Word document with a bunch of text on it.
1: Talk about that magnetic force. I mean... Do you call it law of attraction or is this just something simpler where, you know, you start having these conversations, you push a vivid vision on your website and telling clients and customers and vendors, and they just start helping you move that direction? I mean, what is this magnetic force? Why does that happen?
0: So when we were building 1-800-GOT-JUNK, I left there 15 years ago. We had every employee watch the movie The Secret. We had every franchise partner watch the movie The Secret twice. We brought two of the key people from The Secret into our offices to to speak to our employees. One of them was John Assaraf, who popularized the idea of the vision boards. He and I became very close friends after that. We studied quantum physics and quantum mechanics to understand energy and the law of attraction. We understood that when people complain, it throws negative energy throughout the group. When people share vision and ideas and excitement, it shows positive energy and momentum through the group. We understood that the more that we communicated our vision, the more people would be attracted to that and it would pull people away. So yes, it's the law of attraction. What we also understood was vision without execution is hallucination, right? I think Thomas Edison said that, that you can't just put the vision out there and expect it to come true. You need to do a lot of work towards the vision. But when we had all of our employees rereading our vivid vision every quarter, when we had sections of the vivid vision being reread at every meeting, When we had our customers and suppliers reading the vivid vision, when we had potential employees reading the vivid vision, it was much more than just the law of attraction. It was really forcing people to visualize the future and execute on today. And and it was that dance between keeping them focusing on the future, keeping them executing on today. So there was a lot of effort and energy behind the flywheel, but the push was towards that vivid vision for sure.
1: You know, there's something that is so similar between law of attraction and what you referenced earlier, which is sports psychology. Like when I was wrestling, I did a lot of visioning. And when I had to step on the mat for the biggest wrestling match of my life in front of 15,000 people against the fourth ranked wrestler in the country, I'd been there a hundred times before in my head. And there's the belief that this can happen when you're rereading your vivid vision and your employees are doing that every quarter. There's this sense that like... This is happening. This is not just something that we did in an exercise with a consultant a year ago and sitting on a shelf somewhere. This is like a thing that we're doing. We're we're living this. We're breathing this. We're seeing this, and people are believing it. You know, other people hear it and they want to be part of that. And you know, I just had um, Dr. Nate Zinzer, He's the director of uh, performance at West Point. I had him on the podcast. He wrote a great book for the listeners. You got to get the. It's called the Confident Mind. There's such a similarity between vivid vision, law of attraction, sports psychology, this stuff all works. And for the listener, no matter where you're at in your life, whether you're, you know, trying to heal a broken marriage or you're trying to get healthy and fit, or you're trying to scale up your business or start your side hustle into a full-time thing. Yes, the tactics, you have to do the tactics, but you have to do this mindset stuff. You have to do this visioning stuff. You have to do this kind of work. This isn't sending an email. This is not, you know, sending an invoice. This is working on your business this is stepping outside of your life and Cameron you know the the listeners know this probably by heart now for the long time listeners but we have this concept that I talk about in my coaching practice which is called the productive pause and the productive pause is simply this it's a short period of focused reflection around specific questions that leads to clarity of action and peace of mind and that's what this is this is a pause this is stepping back this is Ignoring your inbox for a while, getting away from social media, no more meetings, and, and going and creating your vivid vision.
0: I love your focus pause idea. I was coaching a CEO yesterday, and we were talking about he's got about 120 employees spread over multiple countries. And I, I said, You know, you should only have 60% of your available work hours scheduled, and you should have 40% blocked off as focus time and free time just to think and to, to think about the business, to think about culture to make connections, to just see the business from a different perspective. But if you're so busy, 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 you know, as Jim Collins used to say, we're working on the busy work. Instead of working on the critical few things, we're working on the important many things. So yeah, it's taking pause and slowing down for that.
1: Quick interruption. Hey, if you like what you're hearing, be sure to get the notes, quotes, and links in the action plan from this episode. Just go to com slash action. That's jimharshowjr.com slash action to get your free copy of the action plan. Now, back to the show. So now we create this vivid vision. We dial this thing in, and it feels so good, and we're super excited. And then we walk into the office the next morning, right? And we sit down at our desk, and our inbox is full, and we got a day full of meetings, and the minutiae starts bogging us down. Where We got a to-do list that is 100 things long. Isn't that discouraging?
0: Well, I'll tell you what's even more discouraging is you roll out your vivid vision to your employees and to your leadership team and your spouse, and they think you're crazy. And the reason they think you're crazy is because you're describing the future in such vivid detail that they think you've lost your mind because all they can see is today. And it's no different than the homeowner being so excited about what the home's going to look like and then showing up at the property and seeing just an empty lot. And they haven't even dug the foundation yet. And then every day for three months, you keep showing up and all that's happening is a foundation is being built. And you start losing the excitement about your vision of what you're building because it doesn't look like it's ever going to happen. You know, and then six months later, some walls go up and you're like, oh my gosh, right? And then the plumbing and electrical. And You have to to remember that parts of your vivid vision are not going to happen until the third year. Parts are not going to happen until the second year. Parts won't happen until Q4, Q3, Q2. But you have to, as the CEO, constantly be communicating the vision, constantly be getting rid of people who don't buy into your vivid vision, and constantly attracting more people who do. And the more people that you get that are attracted to what you're building and aligned with what you're building and inspired by what you're building, they'll figure out how to make it happen. And then all of a sudden, you know, the drywall goes in and the cupboards get put up and, and you're getting ready to move into your home.
1: What about the vivid vision? And and you you get to that three year mark and you look at it and you see some of the things didn't come true. Does that mean you failed?
0: No, not at all. I mean, imagine if every single sentence of your vivid vision is a future state, and you're going to make every sentence come true. Well, over four or five pages, you know, I don't know how many sentences. That's going to be a couple hundred sentences. So let's say that you make 170 of them come true. That's Pretty substantial in terms of executing on what your vision was versus showing up every day and getting sucked into our email and feeling like that's actually productive. Right? If you're not driving towards the visualization of what you're building, busy work just starts to obsess and starts to kind of take over. It's what allows you to also, I think, analyze the return on your time, the return on your people, and the return on your money. It allows you to realize what parts of the business you want to focus on and what part you want to delegate you know, it starts providing clarity to things as well. It also makes it easier, right? That if you have that vivid vision, you've now got a bunch of employees, whether it's 5, 25, 50, 500, whatever, at least they're aligned with something. And if you need to move them, you can move them. But if they're not completely aligned, it's very hard to to move or to pivot or to, you know, reorg later.
1: How do we handle failures along the way? I mean, you're moving along towards your vivid vision, you know, six months in, a year in, two years in. And you hit a, an obstacle or some adversity, do you scrap it and start over? Is failure part of the process? <laughs> of course
0: it's part <laughs> of the process, right? It's one of the things that we looked for when we were hiring people back at College Pro Painters was their ability to handle short-term pain for long-term gain and the tenacity to get, you know, the, the, the dog-like work ethic to get over under around any obstacle put in one's path. So you, you have to build, and as you mentioned earlier, the mindset that it's okay to fail. And it's not okay to fail if the answer's right in front of you and you ignore it. I've always been frustrated with people that say failure is good. I think there's shortcuts to avoid the failure. You know that if you're the fly banging your head on the window and you're going to keep banging your head on the window, thinking that's going to get you successful, and somebody shows you there's a door right here, just go out the door. My R and D stands for rip off and duplicate. I just take the best systems that already exist and I do that. And I think so often people work so hard when. The cheat sheets are right in front of you. So I think we can avoid failure more often by being coached, by being in the masterminds, by not just reading the books, but putting the systems in place that they tell you to do, right? Like that's where the, the momentum comes from. And then when you hit failure, yeah, it's about, you know, realizing this is a first world problem, realizing none of this actually matters and we're going to die anyway. Sucking it up, looking for a shortcut, looking for a better way, asking for help and, trying again.
1: Have you experienced failures in your career? I mean, we look at a guy like you who's had tremendous success. You've you know, coached you know, Elon Musk's brother you know, as the COO. You took it 1-800-GOT-JUNK from 2 million to 106 million in six short years. Does a guy like you fail? Right? Is there a time when you can you know, look back on your career when you failed? And, and can you share that experience with us? Uh, like
0: yeah how many i'll give you just because you mentioned one got junk how about the failure of your best friend firing you after taking the company to 106 million when i sat down with brian and and he said i think we're done you were the right guy to get us from 2 million to 106 million but you're the wrong guy to take us from 100 million to a billion that could be seen as huge failure It took me a long time to get over that then brian puts his book out five years ago called willing to fail wtf and my name is throughout the book as somebody he's been so wowed by what all the work that i did to to help him get there so yeah failure was a part of that me having to find out that you know what he's right i was the wrong guy to take it to a billion my zone is absolutely in the million to the hundred million zone i'm not a corporate guy i'm not a a big company guy i'm not matrix decision making i'm i can't slow it down my my disc profile i have a 98d and my Colby profile is 4393. Like I have an inability to actually execute past that mark. Okay, but in my zone, I'm amongst the best in the world, right? I also know that I'm horrible at finance. Brian and I almost bankrupted one 800 got because we were growing too quickly from the 60 to 100 million zone. We ended up having to borrow 420,000 from Brian's mom because we didn't have to leverage our balance sheet and access bank debt. And we were paying everything out of our bank account. That's how you run a small business, but it's not how you run a big business. I've had failures with employees that I've hired where I've hired the wrong ones. I've hired employees that have stolen. 35 years old, I had a nervous breakdown just before starting 180 Got Junk with Brian, where I collapsed on the floor of an elevator sobbing because I was completely stressed out, 40 pounds heavier than I am now. I was smoking and drinking seven nights a week. I've had tons of failure.
1: Yeah. Man, true success through failure experiences.
0: Yeah. And, but again, I think one of the things I learned about failure is failure is not good. It can be avoided. Like the tips on everything that I was failing at, I could have avoided most of those things, or I could have learned faster from those things, right? My dad told me when I was young, my R&D should stand for ripoff and duplicate and said, you'll never be smart enough to figure it out on your own. But millions of companies have spent billions of dollars figuring it out. Just do what they're doing.
1: Yeah, I had a technology company years ago that failed when the answer was right in front of me. I just didn't fully listen to the advice. I took a bunch of it and 20% of it I kind of ignored and thought I could do it my own way. And, and uh, man, the end of it, I learned like, gosh, that was the 20% that I was missing, but I just listened. So what are the common challenges that you see when people write their vivid visions? Things that they do wrong, mistakes, things that just don't click initially. Wow. Common
0: challenges when we write our vivid vision, the first one would be leaning out too far, right? Mm-hmm. Leaning out 10 years, leaning out 20 years. That's a problem because that's not a vivid vision. That's something else that might be cool, but it's too far out there. Another one would be to not engage a copywriter and think that you're, oh, you're not a copywriter. Unless you've been trained in copywriting, you might be an entrepreneur, maybe you're an engineer, maybe you're, but if, unless you have copywriting training, a copywriter to polish it. Another common one would be putting too many data points in there and making it too measurable, where it becomes more like a set of goals instead of more of a description. It's almost like if Michael J. Fox and the doc and I hopped in the DeLorean and we jetted off to December 31st, three years from now, and we walked around our company. I can't write down as many numbers as I can describe everything that I can feel and see. So it's a little bit around that. Another one is feeling the urge to update it every few months. Don't just lock and load it for three years. Leave it alone. You're going to be like Murphy Brown, who's had somebody coming in painting her house every day. Like, just leave it alone. Like, lock it, work hard towards it for three years, and then write another one three years later.
1: There's a great, and for the listener, the book has a lot of examples. So if you're Trying to understand like okay i want to read an example of a vivid vision there's there are multiple in the book that you can look at from different companies and cameron's himself has shared his so there's there's plenty of examples in the book and i actually I very highly recommend people get the book i've actually only had your book for a few months and and i bought more copies of this book for other people than i have for any other book ever <laughs> So it's that important for people to read this. No matter where you're at in life and and what you're doing, this is such a critical book and and, and a game changer for everybody. Can we talk about how you
0: can use it in your personal life as well? Because I think there's something there. Imagine your life three years from now. What are your family relationships like? How are you as a spouse? How are you as a partner? How are you as a lover? How are you as a parent? What's your... fitness and health side of your life how are you in terms of balance and having fun you know where have you incorporated friends and fitness into your life and start describing all of those things you know describe your family trips describe your weekends describe your evenings describe your daily routines try to get something that describes you as a human 3 years from now in vivid detail probably shorter not 4 or 5 pages maybe 2 pages maybe three, but something that describes you that you can then share with your kids and your family and your spouse and your friends that they start to understand you and they start to align towards that. I've had a few friends that have read mine over the years and they reach out to me and they say, hey, I read your, you know, your vivid vision. And do you want to go for a hike? I'm like, yeah, because I don't want to go for a drink. I'd rather go for a hike, right? Or I'd rather go skiing or, you know, I see you're living globally. Where are you going to be next? We want to kind of connect with you or You know, I saw that you were just in all these different countries. I was in some too. Do you want to chat about it? Like I'd way more rather have discussions with people about their hobbies and their personal lives and their travels than what they do to make money.
1: For the listener, I don't know about you, but when I listen to this, this is like, this gives me chills. This is the most important work that you can do in your life because, you know, this is more important than spending time with your spouse or kids. This is more important than working out. This is more important than sleep because all of those things will happen. If you step back and do this, right, this is the foundational work that you do to build the life that you want to live as opposed to waking up and doing the same thing today for no better reason than this is what you did yesterday and doing the same thing tomorrow for no better reason than that's what you did today. You've got to stop, step back, paint your vivid vision.
0: I think that every leader really has two or three core responsibilities. The first is to architect that vivid vision and share it so everyone can see where we're going. The second is to actually grow our team, right? I I created a course called Invest in Your Leaders, which are the 12 core leadership skills that every manager and leader needs to excel in their jobs. Our job is to grow our leaders' skills and to grow their confidence. And the third is to remember that we're that chief energizing officer, right? Our job is to stir that Kool-Aid. Our job is to create that fun energy. Our job is to think about what's one thing I can do every day to raise the energy of the group. And if we have everyone aligned with vision and we're growing their skills and we're actually kind of creating that fun
1: culture, we can't help but scale. Go back and listen to that last minute. Just hit rewind on this episode and and listen to that again. So Cameron, for the listener who's sitting here saying, "Uh, I'm in, um, I get it. I want to start taking action on this in the next 24 to 48 hours. Action item number one, I recommend for everybody, buy the book. Number two, Three, what else might you share, Cameron?
0: Yeah, I would You know, buy, buy the book Vivid Vision for sure. All five of my books are on Amazon, Audible, and iTunes. I cover the Vivid Vision concept for sure in the most detail in Vivid Vision. Uh, Double Double talks about how to build that great company and Vivid Vision is a part of that. I also speak about it in The Miracle Morning for Entrepreneurs that I co-authored with Hal Elrod. My course, Invest in Your Leaders, one of the 12 modules is how to make your Vivid Vision come true. But it's for the managers and leaders to understand, now that I see this vivid vision, how do I get my team and my business area to help make that vivid vision come true? So I would take a look at that. If any of the companies are, are larger than $5 million in revenue, take a look at getting your second-in-command into the COO alliance, because it's where we're, you know, growing yourself as a leader is good. But when you grow your COO, when you grow your leaders, that's really where you're going to supercharge the company.
1: Excellent. For the listener, of course, we'll have all the links to everything Cameron just shared there in the action plan. You can just get them all at jimharsherjr.com slash action. Cameron, thank you so much for making time to come on the show. Of course, Jim. Thanks very much for having me. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening. If you want to apply these principles into your life, Let's Talk, you can see the limited spaces that are open on my calendar at com slash apply, where you can sign up for a free one-time coaching call directly with me. And don't forget to grab your action plan. Just go to jimharshowjr.com slash action. And lastly, iTunes tends to suggest podcasts with more ratings and reviews more often. You would totally make my day if you give me a rating and review. Those go a long way in helping me grow the podcast audience. Just open up your podcast app. If you have an iPhone, do a search for success through failure, select it, and then scroll the whole way to the bottom where you can leave the podcast a rating and a review. Now, I hope this isn't just another podcast episode for you. I hope you take action on what you learned here today. Good luck, and thanks for listening.